Three more hours Three more hours until I can stop This charade Three more hours until I can stop Playing this game But Lucky's gone away Lucky's gone away So it's just me today Hello! <laughs> um, it's me, it's Louie. Uh, Lockie's not here. Um, I don't know if you listened to last week, you almost definitely didn't. But uh, Lockie's gone away for an entire month and we were trying to find ways to fill out the extra, the extra week. So what we did was we recorded two episodes um, in advance. The first of which you've already heard, which is the Metal Gear Solid episode. And the second, which is next week, is um, Titan Souls. Uh, and then we were trying to find some other ways of filling out the other two, because we couldn't really play four games each for the whole month. And the decision we came up with was to record these sort of special solo episodes, the first of which you are now hearing in your ears. And it's me. It's just me, which is a little spooky. Um... I'm going to have to try and find a way to talk. I don't know if it's going to be half an hour or 20 minutes or 10 minutes. <sighs> we'll see how I feel. I'm out of breath. I'm very out of breath. Uh, what I wanted to talk about um, is a video game that I don't think Lockie's ever going to play. And I don't really know if we... Oh, sorry. I don't hit the mic. I don't really know if we would be able to have much of a discussion about it. But I think I could probably talk about it myself for a little while. Um, which is a game that came out really, really recently. Uh, Prey by the developers at Arcane. Uh, the people they are the people that made Dishonored, and I don't actually really know what else they've made. I think they made some old PC. I'm something with an A. Ox, is that? Did I make that up? Um, they're a Bethesda-owned studio. Um, not always, but um, in the last I don't know how long, ten years or something. Um, the reason I want to talk about it is because I think it's kind of an interesting, it's an interesting game. I guess to start, I'll just kind of describe what it is. It's a first person shooter exploration game where you explore, um, a abandoned, um, spaceship, uh, filled with spooky, weird aliens. You pick up audio diaries, you sort of acquire abilities and powers, sort of special unexplained powers, um, and you find out what happened on this space station. Now, if that sounds f familiar um, to you, um, it is. It's got this sort of layer of genericism sort of in every sort of part of it, and that sounds um, derogatory, and, and I guess it is. Um, I don't necessarily mean that. I don't think the game is inherently generic or boring or bland, um, although it does... <laughs> It does take parts of all of those adjectives. Um, it's, it's, um, it manages to do something interesting with with what it um, with what it imitates and what it um, copies and expands on it to an extent. Um, it's a it's a it's a good game, if not for me, somewhat flawed. I think I I bought it about a month, maybe two months ago. Um, what is it now? It's July. It's July just started, and I think I bought it in. It came out in April. Came out in April? I think I bought it at the beginning of June, so it's been a month. And I've played about 20 hours of it so far, which um, may sound like a lot to some, 
for me, that's not like a huge amount. You know, like Zelda came out a couple of months ago and I played an insane amount of that game in like a week. So I think that gives a good idea as to how I feel about the game. I'm not against playing it. I've been playing it on and off, but it's not holding my attention. And there are times where I feel like I have to just turn it off because it's not working for me. Um, and why the hell is that? Why the hell is it not working for me? So I think, yeah, to start with like the sort of, the developers talked about how it comes from, it is supposed to be a spiritual successor to System Shock 2, I guess. Um, which for those of you that don't know is, um, the, it was the game directed, System Shock 2 was directed by Ken Levine, who then went on to direct Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite. Um, and it's all sort of, they're all sort of this part of this bigger genre called immersive sim, um, which sort of, there isn't like a specific thing. It's, I think it's, there are like certain elements that make that genre. It's more for me, more of a feeling, um, more of a, um, ideology than like specific mechanics. But for the most part, it's about, um, they're usually first person. They usually require some sort of shooting because you're in first person. Um, they often have something like audio diaries. They're often about more than, than just the, than just sort of, they're often about narrative is what I'm basically what I'm trying to say. Um, they may, maybe not, Oh, then maybe not always focused specifically on um, exciting gameplay, I would say, personally, but that's that's an opinion thing. Um, and this game is definitely one of those. Um, it's very clear that it is, it is trying to be a spiritual successor to System Shock. And, it, and I, think, I think it's kind of a problem for it in some ways. It, I think there's, there's only really so many times we can pick up audio diaries at this point. And the game isn't littered with audio diaries. It's not, it's not like Bioshock, you know, that's not like the constant way it's telling narrative. It's, it's, you know, you're reading emails and stuff, but it's not all the time. And I think maybe what you're spending more time doing in the game is um, navigating the space. And that's something this game does really, really well. Um, and is clearly taken on a lot from the Dishonored game, which is the other game they've made. Um, Dishonored has incredible movement mechanics and is also part of these sort of games, you know, I, I would call that another immersive sim with, sim, sim with a lot more originality tied to the side of it, you know. Um, but yeah, so Dishonored is very um, movement-based. You've got like mantles and sprinting and sliding and um, you can dash and teleport across the map and you're always, you're always above ground. You know, I think you're playing Dishonored wrong, really, if you're walking along the pavement. Um, and Prey takes on a lot of that stuff, which is really, really cool. So you have this thing called a glue gun, which allows you to, um, basically stick huge blobby, huge blobby, huge blobby things to walls through a gun. Um, and then sort of clamber up it and, and get to like an area you can see. Um, oh my God, I need to take a breath. Oh, talking is very difficult. Um, Blobby things, blobby things, blobby things, windows is where you arrive. Um, you know, and then there are like vents and there are lots of different ways of getting around, lots of different ways of getting to the place you need to get to. Um, and I think for me, 
something I've noticed more and more and more playing these games, because they definitely come back in style in the last five years, I would say, um, is they are games that always feel... I always feel like I'm the most aware of the developer when I'm playing these games. I always feel like I'm paying attention to what it is they're trying to do to their level design. I think people talk about these games like, oh, the level design's, level design's really, really good. It's really um, interesting and, and sort of dynamic and other boring words I'm using. Um, and I feel like I'm really choosing my own path and or they say, oh, it really feels like there's only one of two options. And it's usually one of those and it's mostly both of them at the same time. Um, and I think for me, when I'm playing these games, I feel a sense of satisfaction. Um, it feels satisfying to sort of find your own route through a place. But I do these things where I incessantly sort of explore the entire area. I feel like I need to see every single space and find every single little bit. Um, and what happens is I end up finding all the routes to the same space, you know? So I will... Um, I'll go, I'll like, oh, this is a cool, like, vent that I found that takes me to this place. Like, oh, cool, this, this is where I wanted to go, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll be like, okay, oh, what's in this room? And I go through this room, and I, and I find this key card, um, and it opens the door that I just sort of circumnavigated by going through the vent. And to me, that is both satisfying in a way, because you're like, oh, cool, so there was another route through this thing. But at the same time, my brain's going oh, I guess the developer put that there so I could have found that instead and that could have been a different route. And it's that like constant sort of being pulled out and going, oh, this is what the developer wanted me to do. And what the developer wanted me to do was one of these 20 options. Now, I think that these games allow, and I think Arcane does is actually better than a lot of other people, is allow for a lot of creativity with its mechanics. Dishonored is a really, really great example of something where it fills, it fills um, the game with all these different powers and if you go online, if you go on like YouTube and look for um, like sort of crazy Dishonored playthroughs, people do like insanely rad things with these powers. And I'm not going to bother describing them because that would be really boring. But look it up. Um, Dishonored does it really, really well. And Prey tries to do that, I think. I think the power stuff for me feels quite um, uninteresting. You know, You know when you're playing a good game, you're having a good time. And it's got like an RPG element. It's got like an upgrade tree, a skill tree, if you will. And you like, it's been like two hours and then you realize, do you have like five upgrade points that you haven't used? And then you go in and you go, oh, I've got five points. And then you sort of look and you don't really want anything. And you realize that the reason you haven't, sorry, the reason you have five of these points is because actually you don't, you don't care. You don't care about the powers that you can get. Um, the most recent example I can think of is The Witcher 3, and I really like that game. Um, I think we've talked about how much I like that series in the past. Um, but The Witcher 3, I think because of its scale, because that game is so huge and takes so long to finish, they had to sort of make an, an upgrade tree that was quite stat-based. Um, so it was like, oh, get this and get 5% more damage to blah, blah, blah. And so you play for 200 hours and then you, you are definitely significantly more powerful than when you started, but you can't really tell unless, 
unless you were to take that away, unless you were to take away all those upgrades and then you'd be like, oh, whoa, this is really, really hard and I'm completely underleveled. There's not like specific moves that you unlock. There are some, obviously, but I think that the upgrades that are always more interesting is not 10% to health or 20% damage plus. It's um, it's uh, any any sort of actual sort of ability. And, and Prey has those. Prey has abilities. But again, for me, they feel quite drab. There's some that are cool. You get um, the coolest thing that this game has, and it's the one they talked about the most, is um, actually it is not the coolest thing. The thing, at least initially, what seems like the coolest power is something called Mimic. Uh, in the game, there are these sort of enemies called Mimics, um, and they basically are the single-player version of Prop Hunt. If you've never played Prop Hunt, I believe it was originally a Counter-Strike mod, but it's now in, like, Call of Duty and stuff. Um, <laughs> it's just, like, part of the main game, just one of the multiplayer modes. You uh, can turn into any sort of object in the environment, and then players walk around trying to find you, and you can sort of run. That game's a lot of fun. I don't think I ever actually properly played it, but I definitely watched a lot of playthroughs of YouTubers playing it. Um, and it's a really, really cool idea. So it's an evolution of that, and it's stuck in a single-player game. So there's these enemies that turn into coffee cups and bins and lamps, um, and then they jump scare you. They're just sort of these mini jump scares that at the beginning, to be honest, are quite infuriating. <laughs> but over time, the game like the game does not force you to keep going through that jump scare over and over again, and gives you um, some ways of being able to sort of obsee, obsee, see like in the future that that's going to happen, sort of thing. Um, one of the ways is just you have like a scope and then you can turn it on and then it points out, oh, that, that's a mimic, that's a mimic, that lamppost's a mimic. And then you can just sort of sneak attack it and it dies straight away anyway. So you sort of stop having to go through that stress. <laughs> it's like insane stress from um, the jump scares. Um, yeah, so that's a really cool power. You get, you get that power, I think, by scanning these things, you eventually get this mimic power. Which is cool. The problem is that it really only doesn't, it doesn't really have many functions. Um, you can turn into a coffee cup. You can turn into basically any sort of object you see. And I think you can upgrade it to do more complex and larger objects. Um, like some of the robots in the game and stuff. But to be honest, the only time I've used it is to like get through... Um, how do you describe that thing? You know the things in like... Uh, passport control with the little window that you put the passport through and the guy goes mm -hmm. um, that thing so I've turned into a coffee cup and then rolled through there there's sort of the security booths where they'll have like a um, a console that you can act with interact with in a safe or whatever um, and that's the only time I've used that it's a shame because it's really it's inherently quite sort of satisfying to turn into an inanimate object and kind of roll around it's sort of it's really goofy, but it's it's really cool. Um, but there doesn't really much function outside of that. Again, I'm sure there are people on YouTube that have done really interesting things with it. But at least for my dull ass brain, that's all I can really think of to do. Um, aside from that, like a lot of the powers are quite dull. Um, there's just kind of like telekinesis, which we've seen in like every single one of these dumb games. Um, there's that's like firing things from your brain. There's some mind control stuff. By the way, mind control stuff, screw mind control stuff. I'm not a big fan of, that's, those are always the powers I tend to ignore. I'm not sure what it is. There's something about, like, so I'm trying to think of an example. Um, the classic sort of taking an enemy and t making them an ally, ally 
um, making them fight for you. I don't know what it is about that power, but I've always found it inherently unsatisfying. Um, I think because I guess I guess I want to do the fighting myself, um, and they they either sort of hang around way too long, and it's like why are you why are you here, bro? Or or they sort of turn off really quickly. I think because they're usually just way too overpowered because you're basically doubling yourself. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a interesting game, and I would I would I would definitely recommend it if you feel like you're lacking another sort of Bioshock. I think, I don't think it does much to really push that genre forwards other than refine um, some of those mechanics and then flesh out the space a little more. I don't find the narrative particularly interesting. The biggest problem I have with it at the moment, <coughs> um, I need to slow down. <laughs> The biggest problem I have with it at the moment is the loads, which is a really boring complaint, I recognize. But dear Lord, the um, loads on PlayStation 4 really are disruptive to the experience. The game is set up to be sort of this semi-open world. Open world is um, probably not the right word to use because I think that gives people this idea that it's like huge or some um, Grand Theft Auto thing. It's nothing like that. It's more like a hub world. Um, with sort of offshoots and, and levels. Um, but the entire space station is sort of explorable as long as you have the right key cards and such and such and such. Um, kind of, to be honest, it's kind of like, speaking of, we talked about Metal Gear Solid last week, it's similar to that in that um, there is a whole space and once you have all the key cards, you can technically go back to the um, beginning of the game, I guess. Um, the difference here being that... Um, the game uh, gives you reason to do that. You know, it's, it's asking you to backtrack quite a lot of the time, um, which is cool. I really like that idea. Um, it's a really interesting layout. Uh, the space station is uh, like an interesting place to explore. There's lots of like weird things to find and sort of spooky. The game's spooky, at least at the start. Um, you get, I got pretty overpowered pretty quick. Um, I'm, I don't think I'm near finishing it. I think it's like surprisingly long and I, I, f I feel pretty overpowered at this point. Um, anyway, that wasn't my original point. My original point was the loads. Um, uh, yeah, so there's, there's just like an insane amount of loading. Um, the sort of split up, this hub world is sort of split up into chunks. And I think that's probably why I don't call it an open world. For me, um, I think it can only be an open world if there are no loads or if the loads are hidden. The game doesn't have any, um, um, obvious like hidden loads. It's not, um... It's not like Dark Souls where uh, it's sort of in, there's no loads apart from one or two, but for the most part, there's no loads and you just end up running through little tiny corridors as it loads the next area sort of thing. It's like a, it's a hard fade to black. Here's a splash screen as we load the next bit. <laughs> the worst thing about that splash screen is um, there are two of them. So it loads and for me, it's like a 30, 40 second load, which is long enough. And then it cuts, it makes a little bloop bloop noise like it's loaded and then it cuts to another splash screen while you wait for the next bit to load. So you have to sit through two loads. And I seem to somehow always forget that there are two loads. I'm like, oh great, it's loaded. And like, oh no, it's not loaded, there are two loads. Um, and that's a nightmare. Um, it's not a, too much of a problem at the start because you're exploring this new space. By the, I'm not at the end of the game, but at least by the sort of, I'm probably in like the last third, I hope. Um, the game's too long. Um, and I'm hoping I'm nearing the end. Um, but by this point, I'm, yeah, about like 20, 25 hours in, 
uh, it's just backtracking and there are a lot of side quests and they're sort of in terms of actual footfall in terms of the amount of steps you have to take to get to a place everywhere's pretty close but sometimes there will be two or three loadings before you get there um, so it will be like oh can you go down to this terminal in the security office and to get some files on someone I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. That sounds like an interesting thing. I want to know who this person is. And then you look on the map, and the map shows you basically in these little boxes like how far it is and what they're called. And you know by looking at it how many loads you're going to have to go through. And it's like, man, that's three loads away, at least three loads away, and sometimes like surprisingly <laughs> more. Um, and that's a real pain. That's a, it's really quite a deterrent um, for me. Loads aren't usually like a huge issue, but I think in this in this instance, it's actually pretty pretty unpleasant. Um, um, I know that Loki. I'm having. I'm now having his side of the discussion. I know that Loki's finds loads a bit of a killer. I seem. I seem to remember him um, finding in Skyrim because I think he. Yeah, he played it on PS3. We both did, unfortunately. Um, and it basically, I remember him saying like he just basically stopped going into houses because of that load. Um, and that's really true. It's it's a real shame. Um, I remember Fallout Four, <coughs> um, playing out on uh, PS4, and I wasn't sure if there were going to be loads or not because you know they didn't talk too much about the game. And I remember um, there's definitely less, but they're also definitely still there. They're still there. Like a lot of houses are still there. Um, and I remember going. Um, it's one of like the first sort of little zones I found and then walking through and realizing I had to learn like my heart sinking because it's just like the loads weren't too bad in Fallout 4, but it's still just like, a yeah, it's a, it's a huge pain, um, especially when there are two in a row. Um, what else can I say about Prey? What else can I say about Prey? It's okay. Um, the voice acting's okay. I want to be a little bit more positive about it. The voice acting's pretty good. The writing's pretty good. Um, okay, I said I'm going to be more positive. I'm going to be negative again. Um, I, I don't find the actual story particularly gripping. The game has a freaking good opening, though. Um, if you... I, the game, like, the opening of that game is worth, worth the price tag, almost. I mean, that's not true, but... It's pretty good. Um, I'm not going to spoil it, obviously. Um, but I would... Uh, actually, <laughs> you know what? So this, this game came out in the... I think around April. Um, and it came with... A, there was a demo released on the um, PlayStation Store, which I played. I didn't really know much about the game. I knew that Arkane was making it. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll check it out. Um, and I played the demo. And the demo is surprisingly meaty. It's, it's called The Opening Hour, but I think I played it for an hour and a half, if not two. Um, and... It basically runs through the entire opening sequence, um, and then it gives you like a bit of the get a bit of ah, a bit of the open space to sort of explore, which is really cool. Um, and it didn't it didn't sell me on the game, but it did a pretty good job making a case for it. The reason it didn't completely sell me is actually the demo. I don't know if they've patched it, but when I played it, it was like a really botched demo uh there was a lot of input lag which is not something i ever notice um but it just felt sort of horrible to control i couldn't really shoot anything in in the face very well um which is really really annoying for a game about shooting things in the face um yeah 
like hitting things with a wrench. This game has a wrench, obviously, because it's um, an immersive sim, so they have to put a wrench in it. There's a wrench in it. You lose games with wrenches. Oh, I love hitting things with wrenches. Um, I always hate actually hitting things <laughs> with wrenches. Sorry, that sarcasm wasn't clear. I don't like hitting things with wrenches. Um, there's something inherently unsatisfying. I always find, I don't think I've ever felt, it's never felt good to hit something with a wrench. Now, not all things. I would say like hitting glass and breaking glass with a wrench is pretty good or just like hitting a wall or a computer screen. But hitting an enemy, um, the idea of using a, a, a reticule that you usually use for like pointing and shooting a gun but for a wrench, which doesn't have a projectile and just kind of swings um, horizontally across the screen usually, sometimes vertically, I suppose, but sort of in one long straight line never feels good. I'm trying to think of a game that had like good... No, it's why Skyrim feels like crap to me is because you're basically just using wrenches the whole time. Um, unless you're doing f like magic and stuff. Um, is there anything positive? Oh, it's like, I feel like, I feel like I, I, I would like more people to play it. Um, I don't think the game sold very well. Our King's games don't seem to sell very well or something. They seem to drop in price immediately. I don't know if that's because they don't sell well or because they sell amazing. I doubt they sell amazing. Um, but they're a really, really cool developer and Dishonored 2 is really, really great and Prey is pretty good. And I know that people, I know that some people really, really like this game. Um, Prey is what I'm saying. Um, I don't particularly love it, but I know that a lot of people, the kind of people that, actually, you know, let's just, let's, let's take a second. Let's take a second. Let's take one second and talk about that genre, the immersive sim genre. It's a funny one. It's one of those ones that feels like people get quite, um, sort of hoity-toity about. I think the people that really like that genre sort of swear by it and sort of um, talk about it like it's the only way that games should be made. Not all of them. I'm, I'm generalizing, of course. Um, but it does feel like that comes up a lot of times. And that is kind of a crazy thing. Um, they feel very similar uh, all the time. And maybe that's because there actually just aren't that many of them. Um, and there are parts of them in lots of games. Um, you know, that, that, so like I mentioned Zelda earlier, that, that game is a good example of something that, um, has taken a lot of those sort of, some of those elements and put them into this game and, and, and made it a bit more complex and, a, and just in general, slightly more interesting. Um, you know, people always, people talk about, um, Far Cry 2 a lot. I don't like Far Cry 2 too much, but, um, I recognize it is like a pretty, pretty fascinating game. Sorry, I just distracted. There's a guy outside taking a photo of me. It's not of me. It's of a car. Um, it's quite warm. It's quite warm today. Um, in Sunny Hove. Um, how are we doing for time? 26 minutes. Yeah, so, sorry. I just went, my brain just completely went off. I'm going to have a sip of water. And just, you know, I guess think about something while I sip. Mm, mm. Oh, delicious. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a strange one. I, um, am I going to finish it? I keep thinking I'm going to finish it and then I play it and I go, oh, I don't know if I'm going to finish it. It keeps 
getting longer. Um, I guess that's kind of it. I guess I'm kind of summed up. I should probably stop talking. Um, so yeah, I think, um, that's the episode. Uh, so, so Lockie is, uh, yeah, so Lockie is away, but I think he's planning on recording an episode himself, which is going to be interesting. Uh, he'll be doing it on his phone. I don't think he has any sort of recording equipment. He's, um, um, on holiday, obviously. Um, and I don't, yeah, he doesn't have anything like that. So we'll see, <laughs> we'll see what it sounds like. I'm really, really interested to see what it is he decides to talk about. I don't, we haven't discussed it. He might not even talk about a video game. I hope he does. Cause that is what we're supposed to talk about. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, this podcast time played three HR. I didn't mention that at the beginning time played three HR goes up every freaking week. And it is slightly more work than I thought it would be, but also not too bad. Um, at all, actually, to be honest, it's quite easy. Um, uh, on Sundays, uh, most people seem to listen to it on Mondays. I looked at the stats. Thank you actually for listening. I think there's, um, there's, we don't have, um, a lot of listeners and I have no idea if any of them are concurrent, if it's like the same people at all. Um, there's quite a few people in Japan actually, um, which is interesting. Um, I hope they're real people. <laughs> I hope you're real people. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, yeah, every Sunday on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, I have been Louis this time. And next week, I will be playing um, Titan Souls on Lockheed's recommendation. Um, and I'll speak to you then. Thanks. Bye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.